0: We back in the lab, we making some noise, so go turn your decibels up. Uh, black skin, white coat, oh no, who was nice as us? Major Mason really told us no limits, so we about to take us up. Went from mixing in the kitchen to the lab, and now nah, nah, I can make this up. Be side, be scientist, be side, be scientist. We shining a light on the people of color to show them how my fly it is. Be side, be scientist, be side, be scientist. We back in the lab with white coats on our back, on to show what
1: time it is. Hey.
0: Welcome back to the B-Scientist podcast, a podcast by the Black Science Coalition and Institute or b When you hear this sound, <laughs> that means you just heard it in podcast citations. So please go to B-Sci.org to see all of, our, all of our citations ever. And I swear one day I will get that intro right. Today we have, uh, and I'm forgetting to introduce myself. My name is Jordan Chapman, geoarchaeologist. And as always, we have the dope chemist herself.
1: Jana Carpenter.
0: And today we have PhD candidate Adriana Norris from Vanderbilt University. How are you, Adriana?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: We're it's it's Saturday. It's it's, it's already a mess.
1: <laughs> I think it's going well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>
1: So, Adri, um, thanks for joining us today. I'm really excited to have you on because I know you personally from high school. So mm-hmm. um, I always think it's so great to be able to find old friends and also people in your same field, um, in the STEM field. So I was so excited to have you on uh, just so that we could highlight your greatness. So do you want to like maybe introduce yourself and, and tell us about the science that you do? Yeah, sure.
2: Yeah. Like Jordan said, I am Adriana Norris. I'm a fourth-year PhD candidate at Vanderbilt University. I'm in the Biological Sciences Department in Todd Graham's lab. Um, we actually have created two new mouse models to model diet-induced obesity and dyslipidemia and sort of just metabolic disease. Um, that's how far I'll go into it because it's it's a mess, complex project, but that's sort of like the, the overview of it.
0: Cool. I have a, a completely unrelated question. Um, how do you already have a red panda shirt? Like, is that from the um, that's from the Pixar movie that's coming out soon, right? Or yes, am I just I wrong? Went,
2: no, you're you're right. It's I went to this store called Box Lunch.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you okay. Heard
2: of that it's like in the mall, <laughs> okay. and it's just like a bunch of like Disney like paraphernalia. And I actually right. had no idea it was a movie. I was just like, I like that like fat looking rat.
0: Okay. So is, I guess it's a panda. <laughs> I, I, I've seen the Trello for it, and I was like, it's not even out yet. You got the exclusive. I'm just like, wow, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. But it's completely, completely it a completely unrelated music. question. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I guess we so, need to watch the trailer because it's actually a movie. So that's good
1: to know. <laughs> I don't know whether to be more impressed that you have the shirt or the fact that you went to a mall. I forgot that those existed. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I went to a giant mall in Tennessee. So it's sort of like the birthplace of COVID. I mean, I'm just living Mm. really risky at
0: this point. Cool, cool.
1: (laughs) So what has your PhD journey been like at Vanderbilt? You're in your fourth year now. So that, I mean, that's, that's a decent amount of time to be doing research.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's gone by. I will say it's gone by really fast like in the moment you feel like every day you're like wow still doing this but then it's like you look back and you're a fourth year which is pretty insane um but it's been pretty good I really like my PI like my lab I think my journey's been a little bit unique because my PI was doing yeast research for his entire career so like almost 30 years and then I come in and I get a mouse project so it was like everything I was doing was sort of pilot experiments new things I had to ask you know anybody for protocols like nothing was established so that's been i think interesting and also painful and <laughs> i think i've had to become really independent kind of quickly because it was like i'm sort of you know we have collaborators that are awesome but i am sort of like very on my own within my own lab with the project um but now we have more people working on it and things but in the beginning it was very independent but yeah i think it's it's made me an independent scientist quickly, which is good and painful at the same time.
0: Yeah, no, I can definitely relate. Having, starting your own project from the ground up can be very stressful. Um, So I completely understand. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, definitely. But Vanderbilt's a a good place to do a PhD. I think my department's pretty diverse in the research that we do. Um, But yeah, I do think my PhD has been, uh, I guess, a big learning experience as is everybody's. Like coming in, I didn't really have a lot of experience with academia. So I had to learn like what's a qualifying exam, what's publishing a paper really, like I didn't have any publications, like it was a giant learning curve. I basically didn't know anything about academia coming in. So I've learned a lot just about the academic environment that I had no idea about, which has been interesting.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I think one really interesting thing about like, not really knowing the academic culture of of things in higher academia was a huge shock for me because I think there's this weird stigma around like not showing your weaknesses, Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like, especially in PhD programs. And so it almost seemed like, you know, showing all your cards if you even asked about, so what actually do I need to be doing on a day-to-day basis? What what are my, you know, (laughs) what are my markers Mm -hmm. for success? what what makes me look good like everyone else you know do you ever have Mm -hmm. uh, instances of that or for me it just manifests as imposter syndrome (laughs) most Mm -hmm. of the time yeah but what has that been like for you
2: definitely a good question and like in the beginning I would be in classes and they'd be talking about like f31s ro1s like using all of these terms I literally had no idea what they're talking about and I was too scared to ask because I'm like I'm in academia I should probably know that right like when I came to my interviews, I didn't know what P.I. was like I'd done undergrad research, but I didn't call my person a P.I. I was like, why are we calling people like private investigators <laughs> was like the first thing that came to my mind? I'm like, why are we calling them that? Right. So I had to like Google a lot of things that I think other people sort of knew. And it did. Um, you know, it was like some imposter syndrome, which I have, you know, opinions about. But I think. I had to realize that no one had taught me. It wasn't that I was being taught these things and wasn't absorbing it and like wasn't using my mind to take action. It was like, I just never been exposed to it. That's not really my fault. Um, so that helped me sort of get over it. That it's like, I have the capacity to learn anything. It just needs to be introduced to me and then I'll figure it out.
0: So one of the things that, well, first of all, what is F30 and F31? Cause I was trying to figure that out. I think I've heard that before. So what is that?
2: Yeah, it's just like a, a kind of grant, like a kind of NIH okay. grant. Mm. So yeah, maybe it's not even common, you know, within academia to use those words, but I was doing them a lot. I had no idea what they were.
0: So. I think that that makes sense. I think I've seen it in, on NIH's website mm-hmm. and I was just like, that sounds real familiar. But again, just like, and I also relate to like being um, like a first generation black student and going mm-hmm. to a predominantly white university and just having to learn the system because it is a, it's a, it's a completely different system. And it you is. think being an undergrad, you would know a little bit better, but yeah. it just turns out, you don't. and then um, Taylor, who's coming on to be scientist as our producer um, and hanging out in the background, we were both at McNair scholars um, program at okay. Penn state. Um, and we had actually recently had a conversation about how there were definitely McNair was definitely helpful for getting us into the door for our PhD programs, but in terms of just of knowing what it was like, it it has been an experience and it's very it's been very stressful at times too.
2: Oh, definitely. Because you're learning you're trying to discover something new in the field, you know, which is the whole point of PhD, while also learning all of this other sort of like nuanced stuff you didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I was just wondering how did when did you really know that you wanted to become a scientist
2: yeah so actually in my undergrad it was sort of late on I guess in my like school career I my mom is a chemistry teacher so I I always liked like science and she was always really helpful like helping me with chemistry and that was always good um but in my undergrad I changed my major probably like five times when I started I was like Childhood education, and then I went into like fitness. Like I don't remember like physical therapy. I was like, oh, I'll manage like a gym. Like I really had no idea what I was going to do. Right. And then I just took a biology class, and I was like, this is really cool. Um, and then started doing some undergrad research. So then I was like, this is a cool career. I don't think I fully understood what like a biology career looks like, but I knew I liked biology. So that's how I sort of got into this. And then after my undergrad, I just felt like I wasn't like an expert. Like I knew I had a lot of groundwork for biology and have learned a lot, but I was like, I'm not an expert in this and I don't think I'm ready to really go out into the field. So I was like a PhD seems like sort of the next obvious thing to like become an expert in something. Um, So that's sort of how I got here.
0: No, that's fair. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I was just gonna ask, I know you have a YouTube channel where you talk about some science stuff and also just um, some of your grad school experience. So, how, mm-hmm. so when did you decide to make that decision?
2: Yeah, so it was actually during COVID because I had more free time, I guess. <laughs> I'm not much of a person for like hobbies actually until now, until COVID hit and I just had more time to do stuff. But I used YouTube a lot in my undergrad, like to look up, I'm sure a lot of us did, like to look up science stuff, um and you know look at pathways like visually it helped me a lot and so when I came to grad school I was like well obviously for all these like holes of information I don't know like how to get ready for your qualifying exam, just sort of some of that nuanced academic stuff I didn't know. I was like well I'll just look it up on YouTube like someone has got to make has had to make videos. And so I basically looked up like on YouTube how to pass your qualifying exam, how to prepare and I didn't really find anything maybe there's stuff out there now, but when I looked, I didn't find anything. And then I was like, this is really strange. I wish there was something out there. Um, And then I decided, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just make the content then. Like if it needs to be made and like I'm already experiencing it, then I might as well make the content to try to fill some of the holes that other people probably have. So that's sort of how I I got here.
0: Now that's fair. How's the YouTube process been? Because that's something that... um... B size trying to trying to crack into, um honestly it's a little intimidating. So how does it? How do you feel about it?
2: Yeah, so it was. I'm not. I didn't know how to do like videos or anything. It was a lot of <laughs> YouTubing how to YouTube. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like how meta that is. But really, I had to watch people to sort of figure out how it's done and like what camera to get. I will say I did get sort of an expensive camera. So if like, you know, finances are a thing, I'm sure there's cameras that are less expensive that would still do the job. Um, But yeah, I had to like look a lot of YouTubing of like how to use iMovie, which is a software I use for editing. Um, And I will say it's incredibly time consuming to make videos actually, which you probably know with a podcast, it's more time consuming than you would think. But like for the videos I make on average that are like, you know on average 30 minutes it probably took over 10 hours to get to the final product of just like doing the research if i'm interviewing someone asking them and like having them fill out a form and getting the questions and then doing it and then editing it and a lot of the video essays i do i actually because i know jordan mentioned before we started writing a script for his youtube videos which is really smart it really cuts down on the editing I am not smart, so I just go for it every time I make a video. So it's usually like an hour and a half of me rambling (laughs) that I need to like cut down a bunch so the editing takes a long time. Um, But I I will say it's probably really smart to do a script, but that sometimes it feels like it's a barrier to just getting to do the thing.
0: Exactly. I was just going to say that... um... So I've kind of been trying to write scripts for probably, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like, two or three months now. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, it probably would have just been better to just get on there and start talking, because then it'd be like, uh-huh. all right, you have some things to, that are already there. Like, you can just edit it and then move on. But
2: exactly writing
0: the script and, like, doing the research, it is taking a lot more time than I would uh, like.
2: Yeah. I Yeah, that's a good point, too. The research takes a really long time to like get a video that's like sort of comprehensive and interesting too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part I think will just take forever. But I think you should probably just record the video, you know, just go ahead and do it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes when I'm looking at my raw footage, I sound real dumb. I said, um, a hundred times I repeated myself. I said right. something that made no sense. So it is like, there's a lot of trash in there, but I just edited it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would just say, just go ahead and just try it
0: that's fair the podcast definitely yeah. too that's that was one of the big lessons we learned <laughs> honestly so it, so you think we were we i say learn but it's still a learning process because that was uh-huh. definitely one of the big lessons we learned at the beginning it's like we were like we're going to be just trying to do scripts we're going to try to do research but then at one point we were just like this this is just not working so we just started mm-hmm. just doing what we do now honestly hmm
2: mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's done really well and i think if this becomes, like, your career, then you could take more time to do it. But, like, you know, this is, like, your side hustle because you all have a million other things to do. So it's, like, just do it as well as you can. It's okay right. if it's, like, a little sticky and messy. Mm-hmm.
0: That's fair.
1: Yeah, because okay. we, we definitely tried to do a lot of deep dives in the beginning. And, and mm-hmm. something that we are hoping to do again uh, a lot more frequently if we can. But... Yeah, it would take a full week of research, you know, and then we're like Mm -hmm. also in grad school and it's like, you know, (laughs) I haven't slept in a few days. This is (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's funny because you're like in grad
2: school and you obviously there's always like literature you could read about your thesis and I'll be like reading about this weird academic topic for hours and like doing all this research and I'm like, This has nothing to do with my thesis, like it's literally just a hobby. (laughs) Right.
0: But it is, honestly, like, I found it a lot more rewarding to do, like, the science communication stuff. And maybe that says a lot about me and, like, what I actually want to do. But, like, I've just found it a lot more rewarding to learn about, like, science history and then those other science concepts that aren't related to Mm -hmm. the things I'm actually doing. And I don't know if that's something you've also experienced.
2: Yeah, because when I came into academia, as probably many people feel when they first come in, that, oh, I'm going to be a professor. Like, Mm -hmm. definitely that's my path um and then when you're in academia you're like oh probably like one out of 20 of us are going to be a professor right right. (laughs) maybe and it's probably not going to be me unfortunately Mm -hmm. so I started to have to look at different things that I was hopefully going to become good at and then the YouTube was actually more of the hobby and then I was like I think I'm actually sort of good at this I really like doing it like it doesn't feel like work Mm -hmm. whereas sometimes in the lab I'm like it feels like a job like uh, this task is like for my job, and it's like not. I don't get the little flame in my stomach anymore. Of like, oh yeah, I'm doing an experiment. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't <laughs>
1: right. want to do
2: this.
0: <laughs> makes sense.
2: But with yeah, but with YouTube, I'm like excited to do it, and it's like I like doing it. So i just gonna chase that feeling. I think, and wherever it takes me, hopefully somewhere where I have a job where it doesn't feel so much like a job.
0: Hmm. Oh, that yeah. makes sense.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think YouTube is the only social media? outlet that you would want or platform that you'd want to use or
2: so I've actually been getting more I actually use a lot of social media platforms YouTube is just my favorite I think I use TikTok so I have a little bit of followers on TikTok but TikTok is really hard to do (laughs) and the algorithm is sort of insane I don't truly understand it because I have you know almost 5,000 followers and I'll make a video and like a hundred people see it and I'm like can you just show it to my followers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <All right. laughs> like who are you showing it to? Like that, that, I don't I don't understand the algorithm, so that's a little mm. frustrating with TikTok. Um, and Instagram is mostly just my personal. I don't really I post like my YouTube stuff on Instagram, but it's not like you know really my science thing. but I've been getting more into like academic Twitter and trying to like post on there because sort of my idea is if I can get more followers on Twitter, then I can show my YouTube more there, and then hopefully they'll come to the YouTube. But I, I do like academic Twitter. I don't know if you guys tweet or are on Twitter a lot, but it is like a pretty nice community. I think that it's like half really annoying and half really uplifting,
1: mm. half
2: the annoying part being people being like just sort of bragging about their accomplishments a lot, being like, I just got this grant. I just did this and this like that is valid and awesome some of us are out here struggling so I think I (laughs) I just tend to like go towards the struggling people more and that feels more like we're in a community of like we're all doing this thing that's really hard and we can complain about it and like sort of support each other in that way Mm -hmm. so I like that I like Twitter so I probably like YouTube first Twitter second TikTok on the bottom because (laughs) it just I don't (laughs) don't think I'm doing it right (laughs) yeah
0: you're not the only person that I've heard like Say that they're on TikTok trying to do science communication and like mm-hmm. not doing as well as they want to. I just sometimes I'm just, I, and I, that is how I feel about science communication. Sometimes yeah. just it's like we got to compete against like whatever train is happening on any social media website and then like what we're doing. And like it, it's, it is tough. It's, it's it very is, tough. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And
2: I think we're also competing against like the, people who say they're science communicators that are like literally just spilling out bullshit Mm -hmm. because people like a lot of like the general public likes to take that sort of stuff in because it's like easy they're like this thing will cure this thing like if you drink this lemon tea you will you won't be blind anymore people like (laughs) that it's like oh i do this and then i get this like that is a nice conclusion Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of other people's science communication is like this is just sort of this complex thing. There's not an answer. The field doesn't really know. I'm going to try to tell you something about it. But there's not like a pretty conclusion wrapped up in a bow, which I think is sort of hard to deliver to people in a way that they like want to digest, you
0: know? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah I love the posts when they're like, this is what your doctor won't tell you. And it's like, <laughs> oh no, what are they not telling me? <laughs> yeah, you're like, why, why are they telling me? <laughs> But yeah, no, especially like TikTok. Him. TikTok is very volatile and like, you'll see people say, oh, Twitter or TikTok hates me. So please interact with this. And I'm always like, oh no, this is, that's kind of a sad moment. Right. Um,
2: yeah. To feel like an algorithm is like literally has chosen you yeah. to like, fuck, oh, sorry. You're allowed to curse. You can curse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we have the explicit. I curse so much.
0: Being <laughs> okay. we want all rants on this podcast. You can curse. <laughs>
2: bad feeling to feel like the algorithm is like fucking with you Mm -hmm. but also during like june 2020 which is when i really started using tiktok mostly actually to talk about blm and things like that Mm -hmm. there was a lot of talk about the algorithm sort of shutting down black creators versus white creators um so i don't i'm not gonna say that's what's happening to me but i do have heard that that is a problem that they sort of pick and choose and then sometimes they'll ban you um versus sometimes they won't. Like it sort of mm-hmm. seems kind of arbitrary. Like one time I was on a live and I just started talking about Donald Trump and then I got like a little uh message from TikTok that was like, We're about to ban you from live, from going live. Um, but then you see other people talking about that sort of stuff, and I'm like, it's not allowed when I do it, it's allowed when other people do it. So it's a it's a complicated app for sure. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they could definitely be more transparent. I think but that's I think that's a lot of social media too is that there's not a lot of transparency. Like
2: Yeah.
0: Even with like for example with podcasting, like we're watching this whole thing happen with like Joe Rogan. And it's like, well, Spotify, you should have Mm -hmm. made your policy on this more known and maybe not hired this dude and maybe you wouldn't have this problem. And then like almost every week we hear something new that's like, Oh, Joe Rogan said this on his podcast, and then oh, Joe Rogan said the N-word a thousand times. And you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe you should have thought about this and you should have been more transparent about how you were um, making these decisions. But
2: Exactly. Yeah. It is weird. It does seem like a news story every week that I see, like on social media, like Joe Rogan have like a serial killer on his
1: podcast.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: and you're like... <laughs> right. And then he'll happening? just, he'll like, justify it and be like, well, I'm just trying to generate discussion. And it's like, what, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Yeah. Or he'll just make an
0: apology video, and you're like, that's, again?
1: I love,
2: I love the apology videos, (laughs) honestly. Did you guys see Travis Scott's apology video after No. (laughs) I just saw people do, like, parodies of it, but it was him, like, not even looking at the camera, like, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) Really get like the publicist <laughs> to help
0: you. <laughs> That's crazy. Every 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 celebrity at this point needs someone like a PR person prepared, like on a yes. just on a jump because like yes. it's just too much. Like it's just too much to have to do all this stuff and then have to work with social media. Like I know. It, everyone just needs a PR person at this point.
2: Yes. I think Kanye is really showing that right now, to be (laughs) very true. (laughs) Get Kanye a marketing team, like, help him. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Someone to just tell him to
1: turn off your caps lock, like, just turn it off. (laughs) I
2: don't know if he knows how to turn it off. He's like, this is what letters look like. (laughs)
0: This is what
2: all letters must look like. It's so funny.
0: (laughs) Man, that dude, it's it's just crazy, like. It's just, it's just every something every it's just with him too it's like every week like kanye every like week. you were once like the golden child of hip-hop man just 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 go back to that guy and he's just I like know. nah i'm not doing that
2: yeah and like you like they miss the old kanye and we're like we really we- do <laughs> we,
0: re- <laughs> we cannot explain how much we do <laughs> yeah
2: like you really yes
0: <laughs> it's crazy out here
2: it really is <laughs>
1: Okay, but getting back into the vein of science. <laughs> um, <Sorry>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is why you need a script. <laughs> this, is why, this is why we need a script.
1: <laughs> because it is really easy, especially when we talk about social media platforms to, to like get off on a tangent because it, it mm. is, it's Perfect. so ingrained in, in our culture. And so it's, it's fine. It's fine. But, um, maybe like going back to your YouTube channel, we wanted to know more about your most recent YouTube video, uh, where you did a book review mm-hmm. and what that was like.
2: Yeah. So the university, um, Vanderbilt sent out a book talking about how they handled COVID. Um, and they basically sent it out sort of unsolicited. They sent it to people's houses. Um, and it, I don't know the number, but it Apparently they spent a lot of money on it uh, to like write it and, you know, put it into book format and then just send it to everybody. Um, and I wasn't planning on reading the book. I just heard from a lot of different people that they were really unhappy about it. Like the contents of it, like people in the Vanderbilt community saying like, I can't believe they did this. This is so hypocritical. And then also our, there's a grad student union And they had like a sort of returning the book day (laughs) Mm -hmm. where they were like, write your own story in the book, like what actually happened during COVID and then we'll return it to them. (laughs) So that it was like sort of a thing where people were really unhappy. So I was like, I might as well just look at what's inside of it. Um, (laughs) It really was. It's very like has an incredibly propaganda tone. Um, and like, you know what? I appreciate Vanderbilt not firing me for like putting out publicly how much this book is like sort of eh,
1: like right. not
2: great. So I do, I'll give them props. Like, thank you for giving me free speech and not, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't gotten an email of like to cease and desist yet. Right. So I do appreciate that. But I will say the book is like incredibly proper, what's the word, propagandist. And just like writing it before COVID is over, is sort of like just a icky thing to do. Um, because they're basically like, we did this, we handled it so well, blah, blah, blah. This is before Omicron. This is before all of these different like variants. And it's like, right. reading it now, too, during these different variants, and it's like, definitely not over is like, almost even ickier. Because they're like, we did this, we're done. It's so good. We solved it. Like, And then <laughs> among that is just like, such funny mediocrity that they're bragging about. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm about to make part two today because it is like, I think it's gonna be like four parts. The book is not that long, but it is a rich text of just like kind of bullshit. But (laughs) they have this one part where they're like talking about how, oh, we didn't know what we were gonna do because no one's playing on the sports fields anymore. Like what if the grass dies? So we decided to use this new fertilizer. Like people are dying at this point. (laughs) It's a a pandemic and they're talking about, they're like, we were so smart to get this fertilizer. (laughs) Why did you put that in here?
0: <laughs> I would love for UGA to write a book like that, honestly. Like, wow. I That would be wow. my first video on YouTube is just like, yes. just shitting on UGA for doing that. Like, because wow, that's crazy, yes. actually.
2: For real, it is just like sort of shocking. And they have this, well, this is sort of a spoiler, but they have this one part in there where they're talking about <laughs> how they realized that you know policing was becoming a problem like they do talk about BLM they talk about the social justice issues and they're like we're aware that policing is a problem but we need to use our campus police to enforce the mass mandates and things like that so their solution was to let the police on campus wear normal clothes like, to wear mm-hmm. their, sh- like, street clothes. Mm-hmm. So basically, their solution to policing was to let the police walk around in their normal clothes so people wouldn't know they would police.
1: That's terrible. <laughs> no, That's a terrible <laughs> idea! Yeah. So it's all yeah.
2: like, policing, y'all. It's good. <laughs> I'm like, That's,
0: t- <laughs> That's terrible. Thanks, Vanderbilt.
2: Thanks. You put the police in khakis and now I feel really safe. I <laughs> <That> feel <laughs> so much
1: safer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, that's what that was it's the whole like, issue, right? Like I wasn't was afraid of, of them. Mm-hmm. It was just their image. That's what scared me. Their exactly.
2: Image. Exactly. Yes. I feel <laughs> so safe now knowing that anyone I associate or talk to on campus could be a police officer. Right. Like, that's anything what you want. I that's say is okay. yeah. me. Yeah. I
1: love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I love that.
2: Yeah, so it really is I, I like doing the deep dives into the books. It is really time consuming because it's a whole book. But it is really you can find some really funny and just crazy stuff so it's fun
0: (laughs) i do like the idea of doing book reviews though like i think because like i i'm sure everyone who's a grad student like has the experience of being in grad school not having the time to read at all like besides Mm -hmm. like academic reading so i like the idea of doing book reviews as a way to Um, talk about some of the things like that are a little bit more lighthearted like maybe like a sci-fi book that might relate back to like a science topic or even Mm -hmm. just something um, ridiculous like the Vanderbilt (laughs)
2: exactly Mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah I think sci-fi would be really fun too and like you know debunking or something like Mm -hmm. what's actually real what's not I think next I might start reading some actually like books about how to navigate grad school I know there's a lot of that out there and then trying to sort of digest it for people and then give them like a short version of it so they can just look at it quickly and sort of know um so yeah I think the next thing I do after this book will be more lighthearted and helpful but I think this one is sort of me just like pulling this book through the dirt in like sort of a comedic way yeah
1: (laughs) I like that so you're you're obviously a really great science communicator because I I'm already intrigued with this mm-hmm. book review so I'm gonna be <laughs> invested in that. <laughs> um, oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but what are your other um, or what is your long term goal after you uh, graduate? Do you plan to go more into science communication or like yeah?
2: Yeah, I would honestly, like, my dream job would be, like, um, being able to interview scientists and hear about their science and their personal life and sort of make them more approachable to pub- to the public. Um, but I don't know if those jobs exist. <laughs> That's the one thing I, I'm still really looking out to, like, what science communication jobs exist, where I can p- be, like, paid a good amount, paid an amount that a PhD should be making. Like my fear is that those jobs exist, but I'll be paying I'll be getting paid very little, even though I spent all these years getting an advanced degree. So I'm trying to find a balance between getting paid well and doing the thing I really want to do. Um, I have also been thinking about policy, like going, you know, to Washington and getting involved with that. My fear with that is that it can be soul-crushing. Like being in the government space can be really sad. Um, and I've done some stuff with nonprofits at, in Nashville and I've started to learn more about like policy making and being in that space. Um, and it seems a little soul crushing. I just wanna, you know, I just wanna be in a job where I'm happy and doing the thing I want, but also helping people. Cause I think, um, you know, being a person of color and getting this far into academia and, you know, going to get the PhD that we sort of have a responsibility to help then once we get there because I've had a lot of privilege to get to this point. Um, so I need to like feed it back now.
1: So a job where I
2: can help the community and do science communication and get paid a bunch of money.
0: <laughs> right.
2: I just have to find the position.
0: Yeah, um, shameless plugs for VSI, I guess, is that we, do, we are trying to develop a science policy platform um, so that we can kind of do some of those things and there are some other groups that have been um, popping up like there was one recently called i think our future is science it looks like they were like a collaboration between some like different like private science foundations so that's okay but that is a pathway and there is also the um national science policy network that BSA has worked mm-hmm. with too and they um directly cater to like graduate students and early career sciences so that's one you could look into okay. mm-hmm. same yeah, part for awesome. them too mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah and when i'm in you know start to go in the job market i remember you guys and ask you for help for sure <laughs> yeah.
0: hopefully we'll have more fun in albert <laughs> that's yeah that's what we're after right now
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know what i would love to interview y'all for my youtube channel i don't know if it's too much like us just interviewing each other, but I have a lot of questions about B side. It seems really cool. I'd love to hear about what you guys do. So,
0: for sure, that yeah. In mind,
2: yeah, that'd mm-hmm. be awesome.
0: We've we've done some. We we have some YouTube stuff. It's just that okay. <laughs> like, it's mostly like we have the live stream from when we did um our give a twenty eight and. I think some other stuff, but it's just like, okay. we're both, I think we're both very nervous about the YouTube sphere. So this sounds like a good entryway because we kind of know you. So it's like, all right, you know, it's like,
2: just Exactly.
0: get, this, get yeah, the toes I wet.
2: Think, I think, yeah, that you have to be comfortable with like the first few things that you put out into the world on YouTube might be kind of bad. Mm-hmm. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like from my first video to now, like I have improved a lot. And like, I won't take down that older stuff, but it is like, you will definitely improve. So like, start now. And then, you know, once you get into a group event and realize all your mistakes, you'll definitely get better. It's okay if the first stuff is like, eh, a little bad. <laughs> it's fine.
0: That's true. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, and this is so strange. I, this is like the second time I've done this, but we usually wrap up our conversations by asking our guests, in what ways do you think you inspire others to be scientists?
2: Yeah, I think, because I've heard you talk about this on the podcast, and I've been thinking about this for weeks, so it's probably, I thought about it too much, and I couldn't, I really couldn't think of anything good, but I was like, I think I'll inspire scientists to just do it your way, do academia your way, it can be sticky, it can be sort of ugly, but just do it your way, Um, it can be funny, (laughs) it doesn't all have to be so serious, the whole academic environment and this whole process. So I try to take it with more of a comedic viewpoint and that, you know, and even like a nihilist viewpoint that like, this all doesn't really matter and it's fine. Just do it your way. It's it's all going to be okay. If you make it through the PhD, if you don't, if you decide to do something, if you decide to become an artist your third year and you quit, it's fine. Just do it your way. There's no perfect way to do it. Yeah. So I feel like I have that mindset and I hope I can show other people that
1: mindset
0: cool cool yeah
1: i think that's a great answer
0: could you plug some of your um places to follow you
1: yeah so youtube obviously Uh it's adri cortee
2: the cortee is c-o-r-t-e-e that's my middle middle name that's actually cherokee indian so that's pretty cool um so follow me on youtube all my others are sort of just adri cortee with like maybe a dash in the middle but if you look up adri cortee you should find me Um, So on Twitter, on Instagram, on
0: TikTok,
1: (laughs) if you want. Um, But
2: yeah, so feel free to engage. I'm always open to conversations, new ideas. So yeah.
1: Well,
0: sounds good, folks. So thanks for podcasting with us. And we'll catch everyone next time. And don't forget to be scientists until then. Be Scientist is a podcast by the Black Science Coalition and Institute. Or B-Sci, a 501c3 nonprofit. Bscientist is hosted by both Jenna Carpenter, chemist, and BSi's research and development officer, and Jordan Chapman, geoarchaeologist and Bside's president. Music is produced by Della Rallo, and lyrics are by Ed Special thanks to Michael Mike, Cass, and Marshall, and the Plaza Abbey Studios. If you'd like to donate to BSi, visit our official website, Bside.org. That's B-side.org. Your donation supports the Be Scientist and besides other projects. We couldn't do it without you. So please tune in next time and always be Scientist.